That's great. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for uh, this time of worship. Thank you for just the excitement of this body and what you are doing in it and, and the things that we can do to grow closer to one another and closer to you. I pray that as we open your word now that you draw our hearts to you. Do what we can't do, and, and, and that is to touch and transform hearts. So we give ourselves to you and ask you to do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 10 today. If, if you need a Bible, ushers uh, maybe can grab some Bibles and you can stick up your hand or, or catch their eye if you, if you need one. If you don't have one at home, take it with you. Um, but uh, feel free just to pick one up on your way in. And uh, I use the same one that, um, that we have in the entryway here. Um, as, as I preach. So I want you to know we're on the, on the same page in more ways than one. So, sheep. Sheep. We're talking about sheep today. And I've got to confess that I really don't know much about sheep. I went to Israel once and got up close to a bunch of sheep. And, and they're really kind of interesting because... Uh, they tear grass out with their teeth, and you can hear it when you get up close to them. And so I thought, I was a college student, I thought this would be a cool experience. I, I can get some close-up pictures of sheep. And so I got down on the ground, and I thought it'd be really cool to get a picture of, of you know, some sheep really up close. And, and I got down on the ground, and, and they eventually sort of surrounded me. I'm hearing this munching going on all around me, and I just realized I had probably done something really dumb. Anybody <laughs> who was watching probably thought, this guy's a fool, and, and they'd have been right. Uh, you know, if somebody spooked one of those sheep, I'd have got trampled to death. But uh, someone who was uh, far better with sheep than I is Keith Green. Uh, Keith Green put out an album a number of years ago called Songs for the Shepherd. How many of you recognize that picture? Seen it before? It's a great picture, isn't it? Here's Keith with the lamb on his shoulders, and and uh, uh, most of us, though, have, have never handled a sheep, um, unless you, you know, grew up on a farm or were in 4-H, you probably have never really come in close personal contact with a sheep. I, I think if Jesus were talking here about a dog, you know, we, we could probably relate. You know, many of us have owned a dog, trained a dog, uh, or at least been friends with a dog to some degree. You know, I had a dog when I was in high school, and I got to train him, and we got really close. And uh, uh, I, I got a book offer this week about a dog uh, and, and a soldier. Uh, this guy was in Afghanistan, and this stray dog started following him around, and it followed him everywhere he went. And ultimately, he, he adopted the dog and brought it home with him and, and wrote a book about their experience. And in the book, he uh, claims that they rescued each other. Kind of a, a neat thing. It, you know, very personal uh, story, highly relational. And I think that's the point here in John chapter 10 as we look at it together. It's, it's very highly relational because no one ever cared for his flock like Jesus. And if you want the sermon in a sentence, that's it. 
No one ever cared for his flock like Jesus. Sheep were central to the story of God's people. These people knew sheep. Uh, Their greatest king ever was first a shepherd. His greatest poem ever was written from the perspective of a sheep who was being cared for by his shepherd God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And when that king sinned, God sent the prophet Nathan to him to rebuke him. And he told David a story about what? A sheep, right? Second Samuel chapter 12 uh, we've got it on the screen. I'll, I'll read it here for you. Second uh, Samuel chapter 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep. They all know sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children It shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who would come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives... The man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you're the man. You're the man. This story is about you. And David responds in verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Recognized his guilt. He was convicted by what Nathan had to say. Nathan wants David to see the injustice of of what he's describing here, and then he applies it to David's life. That injustice is something you have have, um, inflicted on somebody yourself. So we get to our text here in John chapter 10, and we see Jesus telling a sheep story. And I think that There's a lot that would have triggered in the minds of his hearers as he told it. I think Psalm 23 would have been one of them. I I think this story from 2 Samuel 12 might have been another. But we saw last week when we looked at chapter 9, Jesus healed a man who was born blind, and the religious leaders were terrible to this man. They brought him in and interrogated him. They interrogated his parents. They brought him back in and cross-examined him, hoping to trip him up in some detail. And then ultimately, they threw him out of the synagogue. The the one place that, that he could find community. And they cut him off from that. They threw him out. And the very next thing we see is Jesus giving a lesson in sheep farming. And we might be tempted to think that it doesn't fit, that it's just a random story, but let's think again. 
at the end of chapter 9, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, the people who had just thrown this man out of the synagogue. In chapter 10, at the beginning of chapter 10, who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the Pharisees. Now, I've got what we used to call a smart Bible. Who knows what a smart Bible is? It's, it's not on your phone. Smart Bible, what we used to call a smart Bible, is, is a red-letter edition. The words of Jesus are in red. And that we call the smart Bible. And if you look at the smart Bible, you see the words at the end of chapter 9 are in red. And the words at the beginning of chapter 10 are in red. And there's no black print in between. What's that tell you? Jesus is continuing in chapter 10 what he started in chapter 9. This is continuing on with what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. He's talking to the Pharisees then about the man born blind that they had just mistreated and thrown out of the synagogue. The NIV, I think, helps us see that because in chapter 10, verse 1, he says, I tell you, Pharisees, they're kind of providing the word Pharisees to make sure we understand who he's talking to. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about the man born blind, and he's saying to them, this man is nothing to you. I can see that by the way you treat him. But he's one of my sheep. I know you don't give a fig for him, but I do. He's one of my sheep. And Jesus just comes at it a little more subtly than that. He tells them a sheep story, kind of like Nathan did with David. He gives them a word picture about sheep and a shepherd. So let's just take a little walk through the first five verses here. Uh, we're on page 748, if you have one of the Bibles that, that we provide here. Verses 1 through 5 of John chapter 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus tells them a sheep story. Picture a a sheep pen, picture a, a low stone wall uh, with a gate in one side of, of that enclosure, uh, and it, it's maybe three feet or so off the ground. The sheep won't get out, and uh, it, it's still something, though, that an intruder could get over. Maybe as you picture that scene, your mind takes you to Luke chapter 2, and you think about the birth narratives of Jesus and how uh, an angel and then a multitude of angels appeared to some shepherds who were caring for their flocks at night. 
And, you know, we get pictures of that, and you see kind of sheep all over a hillside, but not, not that way at night. At night, they're, they're safe in the enclosure, and their shepherd is with them. And that's, that's what happens when these angels break through and give the announcement that the Messiah has been born. And so these shepherds are there, and their sheep are in the enclosure, and so sheep of different owners are there in the enclosure together. How do the shepherds sort them out? They sort them out by voice. The sheep know them. They know their voice. Uh, the, the Greek, literally, uh, for this is they know their sound. They know their sound. Maybe it's a special call that they have. Maybe it's a special song they sing for their sheep. Maybe it's just the quality of their voice. The sheep know them. There is this relationship between sheep and shepherd. And so when a shepherd calls his sheep out, they follow him because they know his voice. They know his call. They have a relationship with him and they've come to trust him. This whole thing Jesus is getting at in terms of the relationship between a sheep and shepherd is very, very personal. But I think that's the point. I think that's the point. No one cares for the flock like Jesus. And the sheep are never left unattended by their shepherd. They're too vulnerable. They're too defenseless for that. There's always a shepherd with them. And so if their shepherd would be away for a while, he would leave someone there to guard the gate for him. Some of the other shepherds could take over while he's away. And when he would return, whoever is guarding the gate would recognize him and let him come in. And he could call the sheep out and he calls them by name. It's intensely personal. And because they would know his voice, they would follow. But the gatekeeper would never let a stranger in, and the sheep would never follow someone whose voice they don't recognize. Now, if a, a thief wanted to get in, he wouldn't use the gate. He'd, he'd come at it from the other side of the enclosure. And what he'd do is he'd jump over that low wall, grab a sheep, throw it over the wall, not caring how it landed, and, and haul it off before anybody could respond. That's what a thief does. So contrast the shepherd and the thief with me for just a minute. What motivates the thief? It's his own self-interest, right? He wants what he wants when he wants it. And he sees the sheep as, as something to profit from. He's willing to use them to further his own interests. He knows they don't know him, but he can use force to get them. And they are expendable to him. Kind of get the picture of, of how these Pharisees had just treated the man born blind. They, they had been very harsh with him, very rough with him, because he was expendable to them. Contrast that with the shepherd, though. What motivates the shepherd? Well, he's not without self-interest, right? He, he wants wool. He's, he's raising sheep for wool. But he knows that his ability to get wool from them depends on his care for them. He needs to care for them. And they give him their wool when he does. He gets to know them. He has a relationship with them. He calls them by name. They know his voice and they respond to him because they've come to trust him. 
And so Jesus describes this scene. These first five verses of John chapter 10 come right on the heels of the Pharisees throwing the man born blind out of the synagogue, telling him he was steeped in sin at birth. Now, he had just tried to explain to them what Jesus did for him, but uh, they were powerful people. They didn't want to listen to him. They could use their power to shut him out of the one body that was the key to community, the synagogue. To them, he was expendable, so they canceled him. He was not welcome in the synagogue anymore. So here's what I think is happening in John chapter 10. Jesus is inviting the Pharisees to see something bigger than a sheep story. He's doing what Nathan did with David. This was all, by the way, in the third person. If you pay attention to grammar, the first five verses are all in the third person. He's talking about them and him and others. He's not talking about himself at this point. And it's like he's saying, picture a sheep pen... You know what they look like. You're familiar. What do you conclude about someone who climbs over the wall to get in? Conclude bad things. What do you conclude about the person who comes in through the gate, who recognizes the sheep and the sheep recognize him? You conclude good things. So guess which one you are. And the Pharisees don't get it. Verse 6. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. They don't get it. They don't respond like David responded to Nathan. So in verse 7, Jesus takes it up again. And he essentially says, okay, let's just take a different run at this. Let me talk about myself for a minute. And for the first time in this section, he speaks about himself. He speaks in the first person. He'd been third person the whole way through the first five verses. Now he's speaking in the first person, talking about himself. He's used a metaphor that everyone would have understood, a sheep story. But the Pharisees aren't interested. They don't want to hear. They're not looking for any deeper meaning. It's just a story, and they don't want to hear him. So Jesus puts himself into the story, and he starts with another I am statement. Remember, we looked at some I am statements a few weeks ago. Uh, the, Jesus uses these throughout the Gospel of John. Seven times he says, I am something in the Gospel of John, and a few places he just says, I am. It's those Greek words, ego, me, I am. Um, He's pointing back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, where Moses is at the burning bush. God has called him to set his people free from Egyptian slavery. And Moses says, if someone asked me who sent me, what, what should I tell them? And God says what? I am that I am. Tell them I am has sent you. And this is God revealing himself by name to Moses. And Jesus takes this up and tells us something about himself. I am. I am the great I am. And actually, we find it four times in John chapter 10. Let's see if we can find them together. I already told you about the first one. Take a look. 
chapter, or chapter 10, verse 7, I am the gate for the sheep. Drop down to verse 9, I am the gate. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And verse 14, again, I am the good shepherd. Echoing that holy name again and again that God revealed himself by to Moses, I am. Jesus is saying, I am the great I am. John's gospel gets back again and again to who is this man? The one speaking to them is the great I am. He is the same person who spoke 600 years earlier to God's people through the prophet Ezekiel. And Ezekiel told sheep stories. Ezekiel was a prophet during the Babylonian exile. And he spoke to the leaders of God's people, and he called them shepherds. And he said, you should have cared for the flock, but you didn't. You only cared for yourselves and what you can get from the flock. Ezekiel chapter 34. Uh, let's just take a look at it together. Look at verses 1 through 7. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Who are the shepherds of Israel? It wasn't people out in, in, on sheep farms. These were the leaders of God's people. The, the kings, the rulers, and the religious leaders as well. So he's prophesying against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, slaughter the choice animals, but you do not care for the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. And he gives a bit of a prelude in the next couple of verses but then kind of lowers the hammer in verse 10. This is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. Whose flock is it? It's God's flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them going to rescue my flock. They're mine. And I'll come to their rescue. And what Jesus is saying in John chapter 10 is the rescue that Ezekiel promised has now come. I am the good shepherd who will rescue the sheep. Jesus is that shepherd who would search for the sheep and rescue them and care for them. No one cares for his flock like Jesus. So in John chapter 10, verse 8, 
Jesus says, others have come. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. He's now talking about the Pharisees. And they should be hearing Ezekiel chapter 34 in their minds as he does. And and Jesus says, uh, these others have come, they've mistreated the sheep, and I am the one who will care for them. I'm the gate for the sheep. I'm the one who lets them out for pasture, brings them in for safety at night. I'm the good shepherd. I'm willing to give myself for the sheep. They don't exist for my benefit. I'm here for theirs. No one cares for his flock like Jesus. He wants not to harm the sheep, but he wants to give them life, abundant life, life to the full, verse 10. And he contrasts himself in verses 11 to 13 with the hired hand, the person who doesn't have a personal stake in the flock. Look at 11 to 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Doesn't have a stake in it. They're not his. When a wolf comes near, he's motivated by his own self-interest. He wants to save himself, not the sheep. But the good shepherd is the one who's willing to expend himself for the sheep. And Jesus then really begins to expand way beyond the immediate context in verses 14 and 15. Take a look. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus knows his sheep, and they know him. It's intensely personal. His relationship with his sheep mirrors his relationship with the Father. They are one. They they are so closely bound together. And Jesus says in verse 15, he's going to lay down his life for the sheep. Earlier, he said he's gonna, he, the good shepherd is willing. Now he says, I'm going to do it. So he's expanding this out. And then he goes even further in verse 16 and talks about other sheep. He says, I have other sheep who are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He's beginning to speak of the expansion of his flock beyond the lost sheep of Israel to all the nations of the world. He's envisioning you and me. He's envisioning reaching out to the Gentiles and uh, establishing his church. And those sheep then will join his flock and be one flock under one shepherd. It's God's intent to reach the world with the good news of his love. It's an intent he declared first with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, when God made a covenant with Abraham, who was then known as Abram. His covenant said basically three things. He gave gave three blessings. One is a personal blessing. He said, I will bless you. Second was a national blessing. I will make of you a great nation. And the third was a universal blessing. Through you, all families of the earth will be blessed. So even with this one man, Abraham, that God called, he's envisioning reaching the world with the good news of his love. 
And Jesus then will rescue his sheep from death by laying down his own life in exchange for theirs, verses 17 and 18. And he tells us there that he will lay it down. No one will take it from him. He willingly lays it down, and he will take it up again. And he's pointing ahead to his death on our behalf and his resurrection from the dead. What's the bottom line for the whole thing? Nobody cares for his flock like Jesus. When I read this chapter, I get this overwhelming sense of, of the care of Jesus for his own. And the response of those who heard him in verses 19 and 20 is divided. Some of them just write him off. He's demon-possessed. He's raving mad. Why listen to him? Write him off. Cancel him just like we canceled the man born blind. But others say, now wait a minute. A demon can't open the eyes of the blind. Tying back into chapter 9. So it, it does fit. This isn't just a random sheep story. No, no. This is dealing with the care of Jesus for his own, unlike the care of these others. So what's our response to this one who cares so much for us? This is more than a rebuke to the Pharisees. This is a testimony to Jesus' love for his flock. No one cares for his flock like Jesus. Let that just sink in for a minute. Let that sink in. Think about the incredible love of Jesus. We sang about it this morning. How's that hit you? Have you trusted in him as your shepherd? Have you said to him, I want to be one of your sheep. I want to belong to you. I want to belong to your flock to experience this overwhelming love of yours. Have you trusted in him? Maybe you once did and you have wandered. Sheep wander. And they're in danger when they do, and the shepherd wants them back. That's why he goes out and looks for the lost. Have you wandered and, and you want to come back to this one who has such incredible, overwhelming love for you? Maybe uh, you're feeling wounded today. Maybe someone has hurt you and, and you're just hurting today. Experience all over again this love of the one who wants to hold you close. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, it says this, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This amazing love of the shepherd, so personal, holding us close to his heart. Maybe you find yourself just delighting in his love for you this morning. Do that as well. Be overwhelmed all the more with the amazing love of this shepherd for you. No one cares for his flock like Jesus. You'll find some questions for further thought in your program. I hope you'll make use of those, maybe over the lunch table, or maybe during a study this week. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this overwhelming, never-ending love of yours for your own. Father, we think about how the world roughs people up, and we think about how you welcome people to yourself. 
and you offer to be our shepherd. Father, I pray that the response of our heart today would be to say, I I want you to be my shepherd. I, I want that kind of care, and so I trust in you. So whatever we're bringing today, uh, whatever we had on our hearts as we came here today, I just pray that we would draw near to you and experience all over again this amazing love of yours. In Jesus' name, amen.